Exodus 9. We're looking at chapters 5 through 11. Well, actually, we're looking at the book of Exodus. The 5 through 11 are, is the confrontation and uh, where God, after 400 years, uh, heard the um, cries of Israel. Uh, is, uh, the Egyptians had taken them and turned them into slaves. Uh, and um, were being very brutal and were crying out to Yahweh. And um, Yahweh has sent a deliverer. It is a human deliverer, but there's no way that you can let Moses take credit for it. I mean, I, I, I give cre- Moses credit because he just did it. God said, go. Okay. Uh, and, you know, I, I see today we hesitate. Uh, and, you know, we don't need burning bushes and things like that. God points out things to us today and we hesitate. Um, I see a lot of stuff that goes on to the quote-unquote church today that I see warned against in the book of Exodus. And I got another text I'll show with you tonight uh, that we need to pay attention to. Because he doesn't say, I want you to build a church. He doesn't say, I want you to go out and make converts. I don't want you to set a record for baptisms. That ain't what he said. He says, I want you to make disciples. And we hesitate at that. And I know why. Because it will discourage you. It will hurt you. uh, It will frustrate you. uh, And there's times you feel like, I have never wasted this much time at this length of time in my life. And the truth of the matter is, you don't get to choose how much fruit you get. And um, I, I want us to see this because we need to think of this. Uh, and maybe I'm just guilty of this, and, and you guys maybe aren't as guilty as this. But these plagues weren't like every 12 minutes. There was a stretch of time in between these plagues. All right? And we have to pay attention to that because the, the easing of it is God's mercy and grace. Okay? He gives them a chance to change. But in this text that we look at tonight, you'll see that the chance to change is no longer there. It has been negated. So let's have a word of prayer. And we'll jump right in here. Yahweh says to Moses, Father, thank you. Great is your faithfulness. Father, and I, I look at this book, uh, I beg your forgiveness. How many times I've looked at it in the perspective of a movie? How many times I've looked at it as ancient history? And yet, Father... Uh, your revealing of yourself to your people in this text is amazing. And yet, you're the same yesterday, today, and forever. Father, let us understand that. You are a God over all things, over all peoples, over all kingdoms, over all things. Father, even when it doesn't seem to be making sense to us, Father, let us rest. Let us rest that in your faithfulness to Moses and Aaron and the children of Israel, uh, Father, your faithfulness to build your church, to strengthen your church, to equip your saints for the work of ministry is going steadily and faithfully along. Thank you, Jesus. In Christ's name, amen. Verse 1, Yahweh says to Moses, go to Pharaoh. Pharaoh got tired of seeing Moses. Uh, And speak to him. Thus says Yahweh, 
God of the Hebrews, let my people go that they may serve me, serve me. Okay, basically what we're looking at, I kind of laid this out, is, is a confrontation. And it is, Mo, or it will be, the vehicle now is Moses confronting Pharaoh, Pharaoh's councilman, his cabinet member, uh, whatever you want to call it, his um, men that he gets his wisdom from, and magicians. I, I want you to be aware of that. There are black arts. There are uh, spells and incantations and stuff like that. Um, if It goes on strong. You don't realize, I'm, I'm positive that today's, we don't realize how strong it is. Uh, I have spent some time down in Narland's. And um, they got some people down there that just will creep you out, and I ain't afraid of much of nothing, but they're creepy, and you just don't mess with them, uh, and then they'll, they'll go away. I've been to a couple of places down in the Bahamas where they practice voodoo also, and yee-yee-yee. Okay, uh, it's just it's a bad place to be a chicken. Anyway, um, but they do some weird stuff. Okay, and, and it's there, and there's a lot of stuff has creeped out. Um, you can look at Egyptian history and see that they have, um, uh, they had spells that they said that they could raise the dead. Okay, they had spells to keep you young. Uh, they had all kinds of stuff that they document that we had them. All right, but one of the things that they run into <laughs> is God. Okay, Yahweh. And they haven't been the same since, all right? And there's a reason, and you'll see the beginning of the reason in tonight's study, all right? So God, he confronts Moses, and then he takes Moses and Aaron together, and then he confronts Pharaoh, okay? And he starts right off the bat confronting Pharaoh's wise men and magicians, these are the ones who have divine intervention in the, the, the nation of Egypt. They are the ones who can call the gods. They are the one who appeases the gods. They are the ones who have more wisdom than the commoner. All right? And, and, and yet, God of the Jews said, no, there's one God. All right? And I am going to show you who I am. And, and it's a fascinating study. Um, part of me wishes we'd take a little more time, but uh, I do want to get through the whole Bible in seven years. And January will be one year. Um, that ain't bad for me. I mean, four years and I'm in Corinthians still. Five years, sorry. All right, here's what he says. For if you refuse, verse 2, let him go, and continue to hold them, behold, the hand of the Yahweh will come. Okay, now look what it says next. Very severe pestilence. Okay, what is pestilence? Disease? What kind? I don't know. But I know that if you're an animal, this uh, disease was contagious and fatal. So, yeah, I mean, it could be, it could be anthrax. Uh, it could be anything. I don't know. It could be rabies. But I do know this. It worked and they died. But I want to show you something. 
He said it would be very severe on your livestock, which are in the field, on the horses and the donkeys, on the camels and the herds and on the fly. Now, a key phrase gets missed here. Okay? He makes a statement here that I think that we, put, we, that we don't pay attention to. He says the ones that are where? In the fields. In the fields. And the implication is that those that are stabled will be okay. Put them in a barn. If you've got them stable, they'll be okay. You know, I've seen it. Uh, there used to be a time here in Colorado where we had uh, loco weed. Okay, a lot of people thought that that was one of those Pecos Bill stories. It's not. It'll kill a horse. Makes a horse crazy. Your than it is. No. <laughs> um, but you can, they could eat it and they become, you usually have to put them down. Um, most part in Colorado, they've cleaned it up. Although, uh, there's probably some around somewhere. You know how loco weed can be. Anyway, um, what is amazing about this plague, the fifth plague, is the Egyptian religions. Okay? Um, Nothing was more sacred to the Egyptians than the bull, okay? But they also had um, cows and, and a few others. One of the two gods, the most powerful gods of the Egyptian, Apis, A-P-I-S, uh, and Ptah, uh, P-T-A-H, um, they were noted by, their, by being bulls. I mean, they literally would have human bull shapes. Um, is that how they would make the idols to, to these two gods? And they would order, um, they would make their sacrifices to uh, these two gods and it would be the slaughter of bulls. And they were considered very, very sacred uh, and it was something to be cherished. But they also had some goddesses who were kind of like cows. They looked like cows and they were considered, there's no joke in this, I'm being very serious. Okay, um, and they were would have human characteristics, but be a cow. Uh, when Moses goes up on a mountain, what do they begin building? Golden calf. Okay, why? It's the single most sacred thing for for the Egyptians, and they go back to that. All right, look what he says in verse four: Lord will make distinction between the livestock of Israel and the livestock of Egypt. You know what we call that? It's called discrimination. <laughs> That's what it is. He's discriminating between Egyptian livestock and Jewish livestock, Israeli livestock. Okay? Nothing will die of all that belongs to the sons of Israel. Now, remember what had gotten them in trouble, right? They'd been given the land of Goshen. All right, and they were herdsmen. That was considered uh, a bad job. That was considered low life. Uh, the scum of society were herdsmen. But them crazy Egyptians down in Goshen were flourishing. And here's one of the things you can hate about goats, goats and herdsmen and all these other things is this thing. Where do you get your food? Yeah, you you know, one of the things that I watch happening in our country is, you know, I, we hear, well, we need oil, we need coal, we need this, we need that. You know what? We can win this. Nobody can produce more food than us. Nobody. And I got news for you. You ain't eating oil. You ain't chewing on coal. Okay? And if you want food, 
You know, and I never understood that. But we take our some of our prime land now and we plow it under and build houses. And I don't understand that. I really don't understand that. But anyway, the Lord will make a distinction between the Jews. Okay, now I want you to see this because every th- I hear a lot of stuff that is taught that gives um, scientific evidence for this. This stuff happens. Okay, and they explain it, that you get this, this, if you get an anthrax virus moves in and you've got them all out and then they're all going, well, how do you deal with the fact that the Jewish cows didn't die? How do you do that one? How do you do that the Egyptian goats died, but the Jewish goats didn't die? What do you do with the fact that some in the barn, well, if they're in the barn, they're sheltered and they don't, you know what, I... You, you, this is God saying, yeah, there are natural events going on, but let me tell you something. I'm in control of them. And I can be as specific about my control as I feel necessary. Feel necessary. Okay? So there's going to be safety to the, the livestock of Israel. This is miraculous. All right? But if there's a, this, 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 this distinction, and then he does something that's even more mind-boggling if you look in verse 5. And Yahweh said a definite time, saying, tomorrow. <laughs> tomorrow Yahweh will do this thing in the land. Okay, now it's one thing to say, well, I don't know why the Egyptians, they're just not as good as farmers. It's another thing to say, oh, this is going to happen tomorrow. <laughs> okay, by the way, you know, um, I was convinced, I was absolutely 150,000% convinced the Rockies were going to lose game one. I knew they were going to lose game one. Boy, was I right. Okay. I didn't even get close on game two. (laughs) I thought the Rockies were going to win. But then I was listening to it and and I didn't. And so tonight, how convinced am I? Um, Ohio State's playing. That's how convinced I am. I'm probably going to watch a little football. Do you see what I'm trying to get at? If God himself says, Terry, tell people tomorrow I'm going to do such and such, I don't think that I can do it. You tell them. (laughs) They don't believe me now. All right? Or I would do, uh, what do they call it? Laying out a fleece. Okay? Well, I'll tell you what. (laughs) Let's do a deal here. You make this one happen, then we'll do another trick on Monday, and I'll tell him if you do Sundays. All right, but anyway, he says, not only will I strike only the Egyptian livestock, but it will begin tomorrow. So Yahweh did this thing on the morrow. Means next day. Here it comes. And all the livestock of Egypt died, but the livestock of the sons of Israel did not die. Now, you're going to find out that that has an implication in it because he said all the livestock that was in the field. Because in chapter 9, verse 19, you'll see that they'll get a bunch of them get beat silly with hail. Okay? All right, well, where'd they come from? Well, they were in a barn. They're probably saying, why'd you let us out of the barn? (laughs) Okay? So anyway, sons of Israel did not die. Now, this is the first implication. Now, look at verse 7. This is a key to this. This is the first time. Now, what plague are we on? We're on the fifth plague. The fifth time God has told Moses, tell Pharaoh to let my people go. This is going to happen. 
And it's going to happen this specific. It's going to happen this way. And it's going to be just like this. And watch. Okay? But this is the first time. Look what happens. Pharaoh sent and behold. Pharaoh sent somebody out to see why. Was this true? Are the children of Israel livestock alive? He sent and behold, there was not even one of the livestock of Israel dead. You didn't have natural causes. But the heart of Pharaoh was hardened. Okay, now Pharaoh gets, I don't even know. And he did not let the people go. But note what happened. Okay, he went and looked. He set a time and he had, hey, I can't believe it. And then no loss to the children of Israel. Okay, verse 8. Then Yahweh says to Moses. Now, people asked me a couple of weeks ago, why do you say Yahweh when it says Lord there? Anytime you see capital L, capital O, capital R, capital D, it's Yahweh. Okay? And I like Yahweh. So there, that's why I say it. Okay? So Yahweh says to Moses and Aaron, take for yourself a handful of soot from the kiln. Now, this is a definite article furnace. All right? What does that mean? There are the there was a huge furnace in Egypt that was for what? Making bricks. We got one right over here across the highway. And you're baking bricks. For what? For building. Remember, that was what was getting them into trouble. I want bricks, and they had to go in and they'd bake them and heat them. And he says, Now I want you to take soot from the definite article brick. Kiln is a good term. Okay, because that's where you bake bricks. Okay? And let Moses throw it toward the sky in the sight of Pharaoh. Now, Pharaoh's going to think Moses lost his mind. Okay, Moses has gone crazy. Look, and it will come a fine dust over the land of Egypt, and it will become boils. Okay, breaking out with sores on man and beast throughout the land of Egypt. Okay, now, this is fascinating to me because, remember, he hardened his heart. I mean, something got him. God definitely looked, whoa, you know, how's come all the Israel, uh, Israeli cows are still alive and ducks and chickens and all their livestock is fine. All the miners dead or dying, except for those that we stuck in the barns, but we don't have enough barns to put them all in. All right. But now you see the events turning. Okay. We're moving in to the sixth plague and it is against people. He's not attacked people. He's not attacked the people. It's been lives. I mean, there's been some bizarre stuff. Okay. But remember the magicians doing their little tricks. Okay. But now he attacks the people. Okay. Here's another amazing. He's taking the, the tools of the oppressive labor. Okay. These kilns. Um, and now it's becoming a hazard to the oppressors. All right? Look what happens. So he took from the kiln, stood before Pharaoh, threw it up in the sky, and it became boils breaking out on the sores of man and beast. Golly. All right? That would be worse than tomorrow. (laughs) Wouldn't it? All right, now look what happens. Verse 11. The magicians could not stand before Moses. You know what that means? 
they've got sores. They have these boils. And what does it mean? Open sores. I mean, what is it? I don't know. But you know what? It was enough that the magicians could not stand before Moses because of the boils. For the boils were, were on the magicians as well as on the Egyptians. It's getting nasty. He's getting nasty. All right? They could not withstand it. Now, you got to understand something. The magicians have not been mentioned since the third plague. Now all of a sudden they're mentioned again. So they're still been in behind the scenes. They're counseling Pharaoh. They're saying, that's just a trick. We know how to do this. Okay, now he's getting into tricks that, I don't know how we kill some of the cows some of the time and part of the cows other times, not those. I don't know how to do that. Okay, and then you wake up and everybody's got sores. And the beasts have sores. Okay, and they can't do their magical or priestly functions at all. They're hurting. They're hurting. But look what happened in verse 12. Last time you heard this, you've seen it in chapter 4, and it was words to Moses. God speaking to Moses, telling Moses that he was going to Egypt, and he's going to get his people free. And he told Moses this was going to happen. Look what he says. And Yahweh hardened Pharaoh's heart. And he did not listen to them, just as Yahweh had spoken to him. Pharaoh hardened his heart. To what? What God said. Over and over. And then in this text, what happens? You know what I call this? The ending of grace. The ending of grace. It's, it's done. It's over. It's done for him. It's done. You're done. When God hardens your heart, forget it. Forgive it. You're done. God put the woes on Chorazin, Bethsaida, and Capernaum. He says, woe to you, woe to you, woe to you. That word means cursed are you. You know what that means? Grace is done. You don't have to worry about it anymore. You don't have to worry about it. The seven woes to the Pharisees Jesus puts on, guess what? You're done. You're done. Okay, you're still alive. You're still functioning, but you are no more exposed to any of my grace. You cannot change. It's, it's, a, it's the text that you see in Romans 1 where they keep be given over and keep be given over and keep be given over and then they get given over to a depraved mind. The word depraved means found useless for its intended purpose. Okay, once you step into the depraved mind, guess what? You're done. You're done. Okay, see, God, we need to understand something here. God is carrying out his purpose through Pharaoh. Please understand that. Everything you see, uh, what's that guy's name? Uh, I'm in a jihad. No, um, the president of Iran. Yeah. I'm Ahmadinejad or whatever. I don't know. You know, and everybody says, well, look at him. Look at what he's doing. And he said, you know what? It's right on schedule. Don't ever kid yourself. Okay? I, just don't kid yourself. 
All right, and I, I'm not that. I, well, we would be at war with it. I'm not concerned about them at all. None whatsoever. Well, but if he gets it, he ain't getting one. Trust me. Okay? And it ain't got nothing to do with you and I. It's got to do with God's chosen nation. Okay? He ain't going to get one. I ain't saying that sometime in the future, Iran won't have one. He ain't getting one. I guarantee you that. Why? He wants the extension of the extinction of Israel? Yeah, I doubt that that's going to happen. Better have tried. Okay, so do you see what I'm trying to get at? There's times when we have to look at what's going on and say, listen, there's stuff going on right now that just scratches your head, don't you? I don't get it. All right? Who's in control? Who's in control? Okay, now I want you to also understand that Pharaoh is personally responsible for his actions. Please understand that. Okay? God God told Moses, I'm going to harden his heart. But his actions are his own. His own. Look at verse 13. Then Yahweh said to Moses, rise up early in the morning, stand before Pharaoh, and say to him, thus says Yahweh, the God of the Hebrews, let my people go, that they may serve me. Okay? There's a command that is given from God. And Pharaoh's response is what? No. Let me give you a commentary on this text. All right? A commentary on this text. Uh, Verse 16, chapter 9 of the book of Romans says this. So then, it does not depend on a man who wills or the man who runs, but on God who has mercy. Then he goes on. For the scripture says to Pharaoh, for this purpose, I will raise you up to demonstrate my power in you. And that my name might be proclaimed throughout the whole of the earth. Now, Paul right there quotes Exodus 9, 16. All right. Pharaoh came into power. The Egyptian nation came into power. Why? For God. And we can look at the purpose now very clearly. Why? You will take a slave to a powerful nation. How? What is a slave going to do? Raise up? No, it isn't. You see that today. Whoever's got the military has the nation. I don't care who you are. You may want freedom. You may think you desire freedom. But you ain't going to get it if they don't give it to you. And Pharaoh refused. So when the Jews get their freedom, who gets credit? And it was put in a position where no other reason than God did it. Not only that, you will see that he does it, that all of the world will see God humiliate a world power. Humiliate them. You're a world power. You're done. You're done. Okay? But look, I want to show you something else here. Let my people go that they may serve me. Verse 14. Watch what he says now. Fascinating stuff. For this time, I will send all what? 
Look at it. Personal pronoun is in it. These are mine. Okay? My plagues. Now, the New American Standard translated on you, and it really literally means um, in your heart. This is coming home to roost, dude. And I want you to know that this is mine. That's interesting. That is fascinating preaching right there, people. Why? I want you to know, Pharaoh, I, Yahweh, am singling you out. I mean, the confrontation, it's just been messing with livestock. I mean, everybody woke up with a bunch of sores. But now I want you to know, Pharaoh, that I am working. I am to your very hate, very heart, full force in act. I'm striking home. I'm striking home. Okay. Then verses 14 through 19, basically what you see um, is the warnings. And he wants you to know how the plagues are going to impact you. Right? Verse 14 says, I will send my plagues on you and your servants and your people so that you may know that no one like me on all the earth. Okay? For if by now I had put forth my hand and struck you, your people and your people with pestilence, you would have been cut off from the earth. You know what that means, right? Dead. You're missing this, Pharaoh. I'm having mercy on it. Remember the Northridge earthquakes? I think it was in 96, 7, somewhere in there. Do you know what Northridge is known for? Northridge has an industry. One of the largest industries in the world is out of, based out of Northridge. You know what it is? Pornography. Pornography is distributed out of Northridge. It's where most of the pornography comes from, whether it's uh, magazines or uh, movies or whatever, comes out of Northridge. Okay. Well, that was the epicenter of a huge earthquake. Uh, tore up the, the 5 and the 105 and the 405. And I mean, there was big old sections of the highway and all the rest of it. Uh, Dr. MacArthur's church is just a few blocks away from the, where the epicenter was. And his had a little crack on a little piece of siding fell off. That's it. But anyway, they had an interview with him. Uh, one of the guys, Brokaw, or I don't remember who it was, came up, stuck the microphone in and says, with Northridge's reputation of being such so much pornography, do you believe this is God's judgment? And he sticks the microphone like this at MacArthur, and MacArthur says, no, this is God's mercy. God's judgment, there wouldn't be any California. And I thought, how fascinating. His judgment, there wouldn't be no California. See, judgment, God's judgment isn't, did you feel that? God's judgment is, you're done. He said, if my hand had been against you, Pharaoh, and your people, guess what? You're dead. Please understand that. But I want you to know, what I'm coming into now is coming home to roost. It's coming home to roost, and you have not heard me. Okay, you see a purpose here. The Egyptians and Yahweh. Okay, Yahweh is saying, you cannot compare anything to my power. Nothing. But you, because of your existence, I and my power will be known everywhere. Other nations would know the Egyptians have been humiliated. 
Israel God whipped their gods. Do you know that's common? If you study ancient history, whether it's Babylonians, Assyrians, or whatever, if they were a great warring nation, they believed that your God, their gods were whooping your gods. If we got the victory over you, guess what? Your God ain't big enough to take on our God. Remember when the Ark of the Covenant would they'd run it around? Stick it out there and get a big victory, and then, <laughs> we got the box. Okay, you don't have the box. Okay, and then the Philistines, remember when the Philistines attacked them and took the Ark of the Covenant? You remember that battle? Okay. And the Jews were like, how can Dagon defeat Yahweh? Well, he didn't. He took it, stuck it in a temple and kept knocking Dagon's statue over and a few other odds and ends. And finally everybody got sick and they put it on a cart and sent it back. Here, I don't want this in my living room. Okay, but um, <laughs> get the box out of here. All right, but it was common understanding. The Babylonians were really bad at it. Uh, the Assyrians were awful at it. That they believed, because they like to crush your idols. They come in and tear up your temples and burn them down and put their gods up and all the rest of it. And that's what they believed. You see it with the Greeks. Uh, the Greeks used to do it on a regular basis. Uh, the Romans did it at times. Um, but, you, but you always see that. And basically what is happening here is Yahweh, one God, has whipped all of your gods. And if you look at the plagues, that is exactly what's happening. He's dealing with all their deity. Okay, But now he's going to take it home to them. Second thing you see here, whatever authority Pharaoh had... Okay, with his wise men, his counsel, and the fact that he was in power and he was a ruler and all the rest of it. God's sovereign and his providence put him there. He's showing his control over world affairs. Listen, it hasn't changed. It hasn't changed. And he, God is reminding it was he that declared himself to be the only true God. I'm the only one, and I'm going to prove it. And he's doing it, just going right down the line, whipping all their gods. And I mean, it ain't even a contest. Third thing, he's reminding that worst case scenario for Egypt has yet to come if Yahweh chooses. I can strike the people first. And if I'd have done that, the people would have perished. And yet, in all of these plagues, you see God's hand of mercy. Every one of them. Now, you know, I bet you when the whole population gets a bunch of boils on them and all the beasts get a bunch of boils on them, they're probably thinking, well, this is merciful. But the truth of the matter is, you ain't dead, are you? He's always gracious. Fourthly, you see that he declares that the weather is his. Oh, scary stuff there, huh? I, I just heard of some stuff, I think it was this week or last week, where they said that they're going to, they think that they can take uh, ground up tires. Now think, listen to this. And they'll go pulverize it into a powder. And when a hurricane forms, they shoot it on the one side of it, the leeway side of it, and they can turn hurricanes. Okay. The problem is they don't know where they're going to turn them to. Okay, and so like if it's headed to New Orleans and, and you got it to turn and ends up in Mexico, you're going to get sued. You are. Don't, don't ever kid yourself. We turned a hurricane and we had 32,000 Mexicans die and houses were off and you owe us cash. Okay, and that's true. That's true. I love it when we think we can do this kind of stuff. You're going to do what? We're going to change the weather. Great. Hope that works for you. 
<laughs> okay? Um, I don't know. It's, it's crazy stuff. Okay, but who is in charge of the weather? Look at what he says here. Verse 15. Now I put forth my hand and I struck you and your people with pestilence. You would have been cut off. But indeed, for this cause... I have allowed you to remain in order to show you my power and to order in order to proclaim my name through all the earth. Okay? Why is he doing this? Right there, he just tells you. Still, you exalt yourself against my people, not letting them go. Behold, about this time tomorrow, I will send a very heavy hail such as not been seen in Egypt from the day it was founded till now. Okay, you know what that is, right? That's a storm you don't even want to think about. Okay? But look at his mercy. Tomorrow you're going to get a storm. Okay, like you have never seen since your nation existed. But look what he does in verse 19. Therefore, send, bring your livestock and whatever you have in the field to safety. Every man and beast that is found in the field and is not brought home when the hail comes down on them will die. Still mercy and grace. How can you avoid this? I'll tell you how. Now look what happens here in verse 20. One among the servants of Pharaoh who what? Feared the word of the Lord. Feared the word of Yahweh. Made his servants and his livestock flee into the houses. Right? But he who paid no regret to the word of Yahweh left his servants and his livestock in the field. Okay? You know what that's saying? Some are listening. How important is that? I'll tell you how important it is. Text is just, I'm still working on and still grieving over. Okay? Ezekiel chapter 33, beginning in verse 30. Here's what it says. But as for you, son of man, God speaking to Ezekiel, your fellow citizens who talk about you by the walls and in the doorways of the houses, speak to one another, each to his brother saying, come, come now. Hear the message which comes forth from Yahweh. Okay, Ezekiel, the people, it's murmuring across the people. Come, when Ezekiel speaks, it is the word of the Lord. It is Yahweh talking to us. Look what he says. They come to you as my, they come to you as people come. They sit before you as my people. They hear your words, but they do not do them. He's a good preacher. He's an amazing preacher. You should go hear him. He speaks forth God. When do the bars open? When's the football game? When is this? When is that? Why don't they listen? It's not uncommon. Actually, I'm not sure that ain't the norm. The rest of that text deals with it. They come and listen to you. They think you're great. You are an item. We believe that you are powered by God to preach, Ezekiel. I just ain't doing what you're saying. 
What did you have here? There was a fear of God and they said, I'm doing it. You know what's missing? You know what's missing in the church today? There's no fear of God. There's no fear of God. Well, it doesn't matter. If you don't know God, it doesn't matter what you got. You got to have fear or you don't know it. You're not going to listen if you don't fear Him. Fear of the Lord is the beginning of salvation. Okay? There's a whole bunch of people out there who think they're saved who ain't. Chapter 9 again, verse 17 of Romans. For this very purpose I raised you up to demonstrate my power that my name may be proclaimed. This is the very purpose. I'm sending Ezekiel. I sent Ezekiel to the Jews, to Israel, the twelve, the ten northern tribes. This man's from God. They said, this man's from God. I'm telling you to turn from your wicked ways. Okay, tomorrow. Tomorrow. But there was one here, and one of the servants of Pharaoh who feared. Those who did not... No regard of the word of the Lord left the servant and lived livestock in the field. Verse 22. Now Yahweh said to Moses, stretch out your hand toward the sky that the hail may fall on all the land of Egypt, on man and on beast, and on every plant of the field throughout the land of Egypt. Moses stretched out his staff toward the sky and Yahweh sent thunder. Okay, you don't understand what that means, right? If he sends thunder, you get lightning. Okay, so you've got a storm. Can I like this? Well, you know, that's common in that area. Not when you just raise up your staff. <laughs> Look, storm. No storm, storm. No storm, storm. No. <laughs> you know, boy, you can put the weatherman out of business. <laughs> I'm the weatherman. Storm? No storm. No, you know. Okay. Stretch out his staff toward the sky, and there's thunder and hail, and fire ran down to the earth. You know what that is, right? Lightning. It's all over the place. It is lightening it up. Now, if you put lightning and you put big black clouds and rain, what does it look like them hail balls are? Little balls of fire. So that's what they're trying to describe. It was awful. I've never seen anything like it. So all the hail and fire flashing continually in the midst of the hail, very severe, such as not been in all the land in Egypt since it became a nation. There's never been a storm like this. The hail struck all that was in the field through all the land of Egypt, both man and beast. The hail also struck every plant in the field and shattered every tree on the field. Violent, violent storm. Storm like you can't even imagine. Because it said there's never been one like it. And what it says here. Look at verse 26. On the land of Goshen. Where the sons of Israel were, there was no hell. <laughs> I'm moving. I'm moving to Goshen. Anyway, I've been to Goshen. Not Egypt, Indiana. <laughs> you can keep it. All right. Then Pharaoh sent for Moses. Now, I want to show you something here. Okay? God is showing this. And he remember, what he, he didn't say Goshen would be spared. Remember? Goshen was spared. God is discriminating in the effective area. Those who obeyed, what? Found their livestock safe. Okay? What they had, their living was safe. All right? Look what happens. Verse... 
27. I want to show you something here. Remember that text I just gave you out of Ezekiel 33? Remember that text? Okay, he's preaching to people. Ezekiel's preaching to people who know the Bible. Okay, now watch what happens. Then Pharaoh sent for Moses and Aaron and said to them, What? I have sinned this time. The Yahweh is the righteous one and I and my people are wicked ones. Now, wait a minute. Pharaoh all of a sudden just got, now has a theological understanding. Is that what happened? Is this repentance? Is this? Is this? Whoa! Darn! He goes like this and the storms, I mean, you know, and all of my guys are still getting over their sores and we're not having a lot of luck with this. Okay, let me show you something. This time, what were the other? What were the other six plagues? Or is it just this time? I mean, what they had been through to this point, but this time I have sinned? Mark those words, brothers and sisters. You will run into this more than you can ever dream of in our society today. This time I have sinned. No, you've always sinned. Okay? But you don't fear him. And that's the key. All right? Why? It's going down the toilet. Make supplication to Yahweh. Would you do me a favor, Moses? Pray. Make supplication to Yahweh, for there is enough of God's thunder and hail, and I will let you go, and you shall stay no longer. I'll let you go. I'll do it. No problem. Get out of my life. Okay? I have seen this. If The number of people that I have seen come to this place. Okay? If... It was legitimate. We would have more people in this church. This building couldn't hold it if we had a service every day. In my 15 years. I cannot tell you how many people I know says, you know what? I have sinned. God is righteous. I'm not. Help me. Pray. Here's what Moses says in verse 29. Moses says to him, As soon as I go out of the city, I'll spread out my hands to Yahweh. Thunder will cease. There'll be hell no longer. (coughs) You may know that the earth is Yahweh's. It's His. It's His. Okay? And one of the most horrifying verses I've ever read. I've actually shared this with people who I've seen walk away. Look what it says. Verse 30. But as for you and your servants, I know that you do not yet fear Yahweh, Jehovah. Okay? Then you get your first farm report right there in verses 31 through 32. Now the flax and the barley were ruined. And the barley was in the ear and the flax was in the bud. But the wheat and the smelt, which would be rye, the, the wheat and the rye were not ruined, for they ripened late. 
Okay, so you kind of get a date here. Somewhere in January and February is when uh, the flax and the barley. But see, God's mercy was, I will have it fall on one crop and you'll lose this, but you'll still have this other crop. First farm report. Okay. Okay. That's grace. That's grace. And actually it comes about a month later. You would be harvesting uh, wheat and rye. Okay? But do you see what just happened? God stopped. Okay? If you read verse 27, you think Pharaoh's finally figured it out, don't you? But then you go and you read 30, and that's Moses saying, But as for you and your servants, I know that you do not yet fear Yahweh. Verse 33, So Moses went out from the city, from Pharaoh, spread out his hands, and Yahweh spread out his hands to Yahweh, and the thunder and the hail ceased and no longer poured on the earth. Verse 34 and 35, Condemnation has set in. Watch what happens. And we'll close. Remember what he said. Petition God, make it stop. And you can, you're out of here. I don't, I don't even want you around me. Why? Hey, I have sinned this time. God is righteous. I am not. I understand. Got the message. But when Pharaoh saw that the rain and the hail and the thunder had ceased, he sinned again. Hardened his heart. Look what happens. And his servants. Okay, now all the people that are around him, all of his council and all the people are now what? Going along with him. Pharaoh's heart was hardened and he did not let the sons of Israel go. Just as Yahweh had spoken through Moses. Remember chapter 4. God speaking through the bush says, Pharaoh will harden his heart. You don't have to worry about this happening. Okay? And it all sets up for what's going to happen next week. Look what it says. Yahweh says to Moses, go to Pharaoh, for I have hardened his heart. And the heart of his servants. That I may perform these signs of mine among them. I'm setting it up so when it's all said and done, everybody says, Yahweh's been here. And don't you doubt it. Don't you doubt it. That's what you and I have to pay attention to. Why? Listen. I cannot believe what I had to deal with this week. I thought I'd already dealt with this kind of stuff uh, in the churches around here, and everybody kind of knew where I stood. And I had a bunch of people, and they come out and attack me personally because they're just bored. Okay? And, of course, they think I'm jealous. They think I'm this. They think I'm that. You know, he's, he's envious of what they're doing. and he's, He doesn't like church plants. He you know, that ain't it. I stand on the word of the Lord. Period. Okay? And if you believe in healing... I had somebody tell me, I've got some healers coming into town. You need to see these. I've never believed in it, but I've watched these men, and they've done it. And I said, I can't be a part of that. Well, but it's going to be all... No, I will not be a part of that. 
And they, their comment to me was, how can you not be a part of this? We're trying to unify. Let's just go seek it out. I said, if I show up, I'm condoning it. Well, what can we do to get you to come? You know, we're going to have a little breakfast thing and all the rest. I said, here's what I will do. I'm going to bring a blind friend and a paraplegic friend. And your friends heal them where she gets up and dances and he can see. And I'm on your bandwagon. I'll drive your bandwagon. But if that don't happen, you stand with me and condemn them as false. Okay? I want to see them heal. When I see healing in the Bible, Peter walked by in the shadow. People lay in the shadow and stand up where could never walk. That's healing. Listen, it hasn't changed people. People line up to hear not to do as God protects Israel and draws them out God is building his church and right and right now um, I'm heartbroken uh, I feel like we've taken about 250 steps backwards because I thought we were all kind of moving in a good direction but what I sensed this week and there's a couple other things I had to deal with this week that I just don't want to get into right now did I just sit there and go what the I don't understand this I don't understand this and then I keep going back and reading Ezekiel's and <laughs> read Pharaoh and all the rest of it. No, he will take it to the place where only person's going to get credit for it is who? God. Brothers, we are in a war. We are in a war for the eternal destiny of souls. Okay? And this right here is the only thing that works. And I, it hasn't changed. He had a servant who was fearing the word of the Lord. And what? I'm taking and hiding everything under the shed. And you can actually watch Pharaoh get in big enough trouble. What does he do? I have sinned this time. Dude, you have been sinning for months. And all you had to do is what? Let my people go. It's not that complicated. It ain't that complicated. But you know what? God's purpose was my hand will move. My hand. You know what? If Pharaoh would have let the people go, who gets credit for letting the people go? Pharaoh does. Pharaoh does. It's that simple. You ask when communism collapsed in Russia, the great Russian superpower. I hear everybody say, well, it's Ronald Reagan and the net of this, and, and we were going to have Star Wars defense shooting missiles at us. It was Margaret Thatcher and the unity of all that. You know what the Russians believe it was? God. Even the lost Russian believe it was God. I find that fascinating for an atheist nation. They believe God did it. Why? Nobody got hurt. I mean, you weren't free and now you're free. That's kind of a mess, but hey. They believe that God did it. Weird, doesn't it? We who believe in God, I read 80, was it 86% of Americans believe that Jesus Christ was a literal human being who walked on this planet, was murdered, buried, and rose again. Do you believe that in this country? 
They believe that Jesus Christ was raised from the dead. That's fascinating. Same group, 43% believe the Bible is applicable to the daily living. So where, where, where do you learn that he was raised from the dead? I have become my own editor of God's word. You either take it all or you take none of it. Okay? That's what you're up against today. And it's no different. Think about it. This guy walks out. Tomorrow there's going to be this famine. <sighs> Tomorrow this is going to happen. <sighs> he raises it. And I got sores. <sighs> Will you quit? And, he tell, and then he goes out and he prays and it stops. And you're sitting there going, okay, <laughs> I'm believing. Really? I don't buy that. I don't buy it. I don't buy it. Let's pray. Father, thank you for your word. Thank you for the amazing things that you do on a consistent basis. Lord, uh, you overwhelm us with uh, your presence. Father, you overwhelm us with your peace, with, uh, Father, your provision in our lives. Father, the way that you orchestrate so much to your glory and to your praise. Father, we who are called by your name, a chosen people, a bride to your son is what we are. We are a gift to your son. And he presents us wholly as a gift back to you in his purity and righteousness. Father, that is how great your love is for your son and that is how great your son's love is to you. Father, let us understand that. Let us draw upon that and understand that the bride of Christ is yours. And that, Father, you give us a privilege, a privilege beyond privileges to be a part to your glory and to your praise. In Christ's name, amen.